The scripture reading for today is from 1 Samuel 18, verses 1 to 5. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him, so that Saul set him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. The word of the Lord. Good morning. I'm Mike Stroh, one of the pastors here. It's my joy and privilege to welcome everyone, to add my word of welcome, especially if you're a guest with us this morning. Uh, The passage that we just heard read is where we'll be in our text, so if you have a Bible or you can view that on our uh, bulletin page on our website, 1 Samuel uh, chapter 18. As we turn to God's word this morning, let's just bow together in prayer with so much on our minds and hearts and asking God to be with us as we look to his word. So let's pray together. Our Father, we ask that you would still our minds and our hearts as we turn now to your word. Our hearts are grieving, Father, for the tragic and needless loss of life so close to home. We ask in your mercy that you would be near to those who have lost loved ones, near to those who have been injured, near to all who have been affected directly, the communities, the families, the friends. Father, we just sang the words that the Lord Jesus gave us, and they are fitting now, Father. We ask that your kingdom would come. We ask that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, what if I told you there was a pill that you could take that would be just as beneficial for your body as diet and exercise. Uh, There's a special ingredient in this pill that's been linked to lowering blood pressure, reduced risk of diabetes, and even uh, catching the common cold. Uh, This pill has been shown to make people live longer across the board. This pill improves mental health and happiness. If I offered you a pill like that, what would you say? Sold. Thank you. Yeah. Some, okay. Some of you are pretty. Yeah. Some of you are ready for it. Some of you might be a little bit suspicious, right? Like, you know, twelve easy payments of five hundred bucks or something like that. Some of you would say, "Well, there is no such pill," and you'd be right. It's not a pill, but what I've described to you is friendship. Not a pill, but friendship. Close relationships. Uh, Countless studies have confirmed that having good friends, having close relationships in our lives is one of the best things for us physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And yet some of us are thinking, I'll take my chances on the pill. Relationships are hard. Relationships are hard. We all want good friends, but being that person, being that good friend, takes investment, doesn't it? It takes sacrifice. But as science and medicine are now confirming what we've known all along spiritually is that God has designed us for relationships. 
God created us with a need for true and lasting friendships, relationships where we can really know one another and be truly known. And we'll see in our passage this morning what it looks like to be a true friend. We continue our series on the life of David. We're calling Pursuing God's Heart. Uh, we started a couple weeks ago with God choosing David to be the next king of Israel because God saw in David a man who was after his own heart, a man who sought after the heart of God and all he did. Last week, we saw the familiar story of David and Goliath, which showed us David's faith, David's courage. This morning, we come to a passage that's certainly not as famous as David's battle with Goliath, but this passage is, I would say, just as important for us to take in, just as important for us to consider in our walk of faith. And that is in his friendship with Saul's son, Jonathan. So let's take a look at how these two men, David and Jonathan, model for us a deep spiritual friendship that we really should all desire, we should all be seeking, and we'll see how Christ calls us and how he equips us to be true friends ourselves. And so look at 1 Samuel 18, uh, but if you have a Bible open and you can see the end of chapter 17, let's look at the closing words of chapter 17 first. So we're picking up where we left off last week. David has just defeated Goliath. Saul summons David and says in verse 58, Whose son are you, young man? And David answered, I am the son of your servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite. So now look at chapter 18, verse 1. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. So understandably, David, who's just solved the problem of Goliath for, the, for Saul, for the nation, he's understandably found favor with the king. Saul gives him a place to stay. It says he doesn't even let him go back to his father's house. Here, stay here, David. I got a place for you here. He elevates David. Skip down to verse 5. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him, so that Saul set him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. And so we see David's favor with the king is an extension of David who had favor with God himself. The, the verse here says that he was successful, which is the same word for prosper. And that word comes up in Deuteronomy 29 where God promises to, to Israel, whoever keeps the words of this covenant would prosper in everything they did. The author has already told us in setting up the story of David that the Spirit of the Lord was with David. The author's told us that God's favor is on David in a unique and in a special way, and we see he's faithful to seek after and obey God. But for this morning, our focus is on how God's favor is on David in his relationships, in this unique and close friendship with Jonathan. Verse 1, I'm reading from the ESV, it says that their souls were knit together. Your translation might have something different. The CSB, which I think is helpful here, says that they were bound together in close friendship. Look at verse 3 now. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. So here now are the actions that back up the words that they were good friends. Here's the proof. They made a covenant together, this solemn 
promise, this commitment to one another's good. And as a token of the covenant, what does Jonathan do? Jonathan gives David his royal robe. Don't miss this. He gave David his royal robe, his armor, his sword, his bow, his belt. Don't gloss over this in the story and what it meant. Think about this. Jonathan, the son of Saul, is the crown prince. If things would go in the normal way of things, Jonathan would be next in line to be king. He's heir to the throne. And so this is more than just a whim. This is more than just a thoughtful gift. Hey, I like you, David. Here, have... No. These are the symbols of his royal authority as the prince. And he gives them to David. This is incredible. It wasn't because Jonathan didn't value those things, the gift. It was because he valued David that much. When we talk about friendship, we can all think back over the course of our lives and all the people, the friends, the acquaintances that have come and gone over the years. We've had many acquaintances. Some have been close friends. Maybe that one or two or three that have really stuck with you over the years that have been there for you. We would say of good friends, we'd say that they would give us the shirt off their back. Jonathan literally does that here for David. The royal robe off his back he gives to David. And again, words are one thing, but actions are another thing. We see throughout the story in the following chapters, which we don't have time to look at today, we'll kind of survey some highlights of their friendship. But we'll see that this covenant that they made together, their commitment to one another didn't waver. Jonathan didn't wake up one morning and say, what was I thinking? How can I get that back? I didn't mean to give him that. We can learn from their friendship that a mark of being a true spiritual friend is putting the other person first, truly being out for their good. Even when, as in Jonathan's case, their good might impact your own future. There's no hint of jealousy here. There's no hint of competition between Jonathan and David. Contrast this again with some of the friendships maybe that we've had. Some of the friendships of people around us in the world that are its much more common where friendships, people become friends with one another for their own gain. Maybe getting close to somebody to sort of manipulate things in your favor for your own good, for your own reputation, for your own advancement at work. And how easy is it for us to feel jealous, even threatened by the success of even someone we love? Maybe you've, you've been there on one or the other side of that equation. Maybe you've lost a friendship when a person's success was a threat to the other. If ever there was an excuse for that, it's right here, between David and Jonathan. How could Jonathan be all truly, truly be all about David's good, even when it might cost him so much? His own future, the throne. Verse 1 tells us that he loved David as much as he loved himself. Love your neighbor as yourself. We've heard that somewhere before, haven't we? Jonathan took it to heart with David. And now it's easy for us to hear a sermon on friendship and think of all the other people in our lives, right? To think of all the friends or so-called friends that we've had that have fallen short. Those who've let us down. Those who've turned out to maybe not be the friend we thought they were. But we're not responsible for other people, are we? And so I'd say the biblical invitation for us, first of all, when we consider being a true friend is to look at ourselves first, to ask ourselves if we are being the kind of friend that we want to have. 
So that's our main focus as we consider if you want a, a takeaway and application from this text. Be the good friend yourself. Make that your focus in prayer. Make that your focus in relationships. You be the friend that you want. And in Christ, we are even more equipped than David and Jonathan were to love our friends as much as ourselves, to be about their good even above our own gain, because we have the provision of Jesus Christ. We have the indwelling Spirit of God to enable us to obey this greatest commandment from the heart. Not just to say it, but to back it up with action. And God can free us from the temptations to use people, to use friendships and relationships for our own gain, and instead give of ourselves to them. And so first, Christ calls us to be friends who put one another above ourselves. We've all had uh, fair-weather friends. Those people who stick with us when it's easy, right? One definition of friendship I came across this week is, a friend is the first person who comes in when the whole world has gone out. When the whole world is against you, the, the true friend in your life is the one who is still there for you, the one who shows up. Now, if you know the story of David, you know all goes well for a little while for David. He had a favored place among the royal family. This, this looks like a pretty good gig that David's got here, doesn't it? It's good until King Saul got jealous. Not Jonathan, but King Saul got jealous of David. It got so bad that Saul finally decided to kill David and hurled a spear at him. Not once, but more than once. At least twice. Then Saul tries to manipulate things so David would die in the battlefield. Well, let, let me keep elevating him and put him out there in the battlefield. Maybe he'll die. No, that, that didn't work either. So look, if you have a Bible in front of you, chapter 19 and verse 1. And Saul spoke to Jonathan his son and to all his servants that they should kill David. That's a change from what we saw at the beginning of chapter 18, just a few verses before. Okay, so at this point, most friendships wouldn't survive. Is that fair to say? We've all had strain in our friendships and our relationships, maybe an outside circumstance that sort of just makes things difficult. I, most friendships wouldn't survive this. I mean, when your father, the king of the nation, is out to kill your best friend, things get a little awkward. This isn't, son, I don't want you to hang around that guy anymore. Okay, he's a bad influence. This is, son, when you get a chance, you know, next time you see him, would you kill him for me, please? But Jonathan honors his covenant. Jonathan sticks by his friend. He tries to reason with Saul, his father. And that works, it seems, for a minute, but then Saul changes his mind again. He still wants David dead. So now as we kind of... Fast forward a little bit in the story, David is hiding from Saul because Saul keeps trying to kill him, and he comes to Jonathan in chapter 20, look at verse 1. So we're skipping ahead to chapter 20 and verse 1. Then David fled from Naoth in Ramah and came and said before Jonathan, what have I done? What is my guilt? What is my sin before your father that he seeks my life? And he said to him, far from it, you shall not die. Behold, my father does nothing, either great or small, without disclosing it to me. And why should my father hide this from me? It is not so. Jonathan doesn't want to believe it. He goes along with David's plan. He tells Jonathan to find out if Saul still wanted him dead, and to, if so, to give him a signal. Look at verses 12 through 17. I'm just going to read these verses. As we read these verses together, I want you to try to imagine, as hard as it, as it is for us to put ourselves here, imagine the emotion. 
Imagine what it means for these two friends to be in this position. These two men who've made a commitment, who've made a covenant together, who love each other so much. Verse 12, And Jonathan said to David, The Lord, the God of Israel, be witness. When I have sounded out my father about this time tomorrow or the third day, behold, if he is well disposed toward David, shall I not then send and disclose it to you? But should it please my father to do you harm... The Lord do so to Jonathan, and more also, if I do not disclose it to you and send you away, that you may go in safety. May the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. If I am still alive, show me the steadfast love of the Lord that I may not die. Do not cut off your steadfast love for my house forever when the Lord cuts off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. And Jonathan made a covenant. Another covenant. Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, May the Lord take vengeance on David's enemies. And Jonathan made David swear again by his love for him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. If there was ever a reason for Jonathan to abandon his friend David, it's now. But he sticks with him. Even coming to the point of pronouncing blessing on David, that he would have victory over his enemies, knowing that his own father is one of David's enemies. He makes another covenant and he's saying, hey, if this goes sideways, remember me. Remember our friendship. In all of this, their love for one another didn't waver. Now, good friendships always cost something. At the very least, they cost us time. They cost an an investment of energy. Sometimes that gets to be enough for us. We're like, okay, I'm out. Netflix is calling me. Can't give this person any more time. But Christ enables us to be the kind of friend to stick with someone, even when it gets hard. This goes way beyond just giving a person time and energy and attention. When it gets hard, when it gets really costly to stick with somebody. Because that's when our friends need us most. Sure enough, Jonathan finds out that Saul is still out for David's blood. So Jonathan gives him the signal. Look at verse 41 of chapter 20. And they kissed one another and wept with one another, David weeping the most. Then Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, because we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord shall be between me and you and between my offspring and your offspring forever. He rose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. So such an emotional, tragic farewell for these two friends. They show us again that true friendship involves sacrifice. And again, we have to remind ourselves that in Christ, we have the provision to be this kind of friend. Because if we are so secure in who we are in Christ and what we have been given in Christ, then we should be free to give of ourselves, to give of our resources, of our time, our attention, and much more to our friends. And skipping way ahead in the story, which we'll come to later in our series, after Jonathan's death, David still honors the covenant. In 2 Samuel 9, David seeks out any remaining relatives of Saul that he might be able to bless for the sake of his friend Jonathan, even after all that he's been through. Turns out Jonathan had a son named Mephibosheth. He was disabled. He was lame in both feet. Again, David, especially because this would have been challenging to care for him in a substantial way, David could have just wished him well. David could have just sent him a Christmas card once a year. But he says, no, Mephibosheth, you're staying with me. From then on, Mephibosheth ate at the king's table. And now, we, maybe, we may have a lot of friends. You may have a lot of 
friends in your life, none of us are able to fully, practically give of ourselves fully to everybody, obviously. So don't hear this sermon automatically as a guilt trip. Man, I need to give more and more and more to all of my acquaintances. But think of quality over quantity, right? It's, it's great to have 500 or 1,000 Facebook friends, but the quantity of friends doesn't equal quality, does it? We could have a whole other sermon on how to look for good friends. The book of Proverbs had so much to tell us about choosing our friends wisely. But again, for this morning, our focus is on us being the friend ourselves. We're called to love everyone. We're called to love our family, our neighbors, our coworkers, our acquaintances, to share the love of Christ with everyone around us. But there's probably that one or two or three people in your life that God's really given to you as a close friend that you can invest in that you can sacrifice. Ask yourself, am I the kind of friend who truly is out for the good of my friends? Even when it costs me something. Am I the kind of friend who sticks with my friends even when it's hard? When there's tension, when there's an argument, when there's a break in the relationship, am I doing my part to restore the relationship? Am I the kind of friend who shows up? Am I the kind of friend who puts my phone away and listens. Well, Tim Madigan is a journalist who has written for several notable publications, and he, he wrote a book about his friendship with Mr. Rogers. Uh, Madigan recalled their first conversation on the phone. He was interviewing Fred Rogers for a, a newspaper article he was writing on Mr. Rogers, and halfway through the conversation, Mr. Rogers said on the phone, do you know what the most important thing in my life is right now? He asked Tim that over the phone, and Tim answered, we just met. We're, we're talking on the phone for the first time. How could I possibly know what the most important thing is to you right now? Mr. Rogers said, the most important thing to me right now in my life is talking to Mr. Tim Madigan on the telephone. The journalist was so moved by this simple statement because he knew he could tell he was telling the truth. Being a good friend, in a simple way like that, just listening, just showing up, is such a rare thing in our world that it makes an incredible impact on someone else. This is the kind of impact we can have in our spheres of influence, in our friends, the people at work that need someone to be there for them, that need someone to listen. Just put the phone away and listen. Be present. That's no secret the last few years have put a strain on relationships. There's been COVID that, of course, has increased people's isolation and loneliness. We have political tensions that just don't seem to be going away, that have strained relationships. But the good side of this that studies are seeing is that people are more aware, maybe than ever in their life, they're more in tune with their need for real relationships, where substitutes just aren't cutting it. The, this need for community that we were created for. Maybe you're in tune with that right now in this season of your life. You're, you're longing for deeper, for closer friendships. And so pray that God would bless you in that way like he blessed David. And pray again in the meantime that you can be the friend, that you can focus on growing yourself to be the kind of friend that you want to have, the kind of friend that the people in your life need. Because close friendships are good not only for us physically and mentally and emotionally, but they're a vital part of our walk with God. And so they're worth the investment. Friendships are worth the sacrifice. And again, Jesus enables us, Jesus equips us to be true friends. 
Jonathan and David are a great model for us, maybe one of the, probably one of the best in all of Scripture on friendship, but as always, Jesus is the one we look to first. In John 15, as we heard in the call to worship, Jesus said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. This goes even beyond loving someone as you love yourself. This is loving one another as Jesus loves us. Greater love, he said, has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, Jesus says. If you do what I command, you no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice for us. Jesus gave his life for us, his sacrifice for our eternal gain. Think about Jonathan, the crown prince, willingly giving up his royal robe for David. Think of Jesus, the rightful king, giving up his royal place at the Father's side for a robe that was put on Jesus in mockery before his crucifixion. Think of Jesus willingly giving up his crown, his royal crown, for a crown of thorns for us. And unlike with David and Jonathan, we bring nothing to this relationship. We brought nothing. We can't meet Jesus halfway. Jesus went all the way for us so that we might be forgiven, so that we might be with him forever. And so if you don't know Jesus Christ, if the invitation for you is to see him as the truest friend, to come to know life in him alone. You can receive the gift of life in Christ even today by putting your faith in him. And as we walk with Jesus as believers, he calls us friends. He invites us into a growing relationship with him. And he makes us so secure in our walk with him that in him we're free to give of ourselves to others. We're free to make sacrifices. We're free to be vulnerable. We're free to take risks in relationships, to truly love our friends like Jesus loves us. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for this text, this unique, even in Scripture, this unique relationship that David and Jonathan had, and how it points us to some of the qualities of true spiritual friendship that, Father, we know that we are created for. We, we long for these sort of relationships, and yet, Father, it is, it's hard. So I pray that through your Spirit, you would enable us to step out more into relationships. Maybe there's that person in our lives that we feel led to get closer to, to get to know more. Father, grow us together. Grow us to be the kind of friends that we need, that we desire. Father, we're struck by the impact that you have on people's lives around us when we just show up, when we just listen, when we're just there for a friend. So, Father, help us to slow down. Help us to look a little bit less at all the things that are on our minds and around us and our circumstances and to look at the people around us to be your hands and feet. To reflect your love to them. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.